Welcome to Game of Books Podcast. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. And I'm Christy in South Florida. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and mystery through interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors. And our virtual book club. And even our fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us on today's adventure. Hey, all you mysterious foodies out there. It's 2021 and Kathy and I are busy working on our resolutions. So far, so good, Christy. (laughs) (laughs) And so to begin this year, we thought it would be fun to go back and listen to some of our previous Corks and Conversations for more inspiration as those authors always bring us. We have talked to so many talented and wonderful writers I know. And I just finished reading Brad Park's latest novel, Interference. It is really a must read that showcases his talent for writing thrillers. You know what? I think he nailed this one um, because it it delves into a lot of very pertinent topics right now, right? Scientific unknowns, foreign influences, and the Department of Defense. (laughs) and we also loved our corks and conversation with brad parks from season one oh it's definitely worth another visit we were very young podcasters then (laughs) but we really the takeaway from our conversation with brad was so great especially my favorite thing was his take on the meaning of grit and we both found that to be very motivating i know Yes, it was. And we laughed a lot, which is, (laughs) which is very cathartic in these times as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I kind of liked his story about the naked LeBron James. (laughs) I kind of figured you'd remember that one. (laughs) Well, listen, all of our um, listeners, we hope you enjoy this redux of our quirks and conversations with the very great author, Brad Parks. Welcome to the Game of Books podcast, uh, today's episode of Corks and Conversation. So I'm so excited that we're doing our first three-way Corks and Conversation, where, we're all, where <laughs> we are all in different locations. I just feel like we're so cutting edge on the, on the technology front. <laughs> and as much as I liked being down in Florida for our previous uh, episodes, it's really nice to be at home in South Dakota. And I have a a guess that our author today is probably glad to be back in the comfort of his home as well. Yes, and even if we are a little disappointed that we aren't in the same room with one of crime fiction's sexiest authors of 2011, (laughs) (laughs) fortunately he has a lot more accolades and insight into writing than that. So Kathy, why don't you introduce him so we can pick his brain? Oh, gladly. Uh, Our author today is Brad Parks. Our listeners, our mysterious foodies, MFs, probably already know that Brad is the author of nine fantastic thrillers, but if not, it's our pleasure to introduce him to them. After an impressive career in journalism, reporting for the Washington Post and uh, the Newark Star-Ledger, Brad thankfully made the shift to fiction writing. Since 2009, he's published six thrillers in the Carter Ross series, and three standalone thrillers, including the very recently published The Last Act. 
Brad holds a pretty cool distinction as being the only writer to win the big three in crime fiction. That would be the uh, Seamus, the Nero, and the Lefty. He lives and writes full-time in Virginia, and in addition to that, he's also a husband, father, runner, and apparently an occasional singer at writers' conferences. I don't know how we missed that. Not that we got to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) And if you follow his newsletters, which are found at his website, bradparksbooks.com, You'll know he also manages uh, a team of unruly and overworked interns, I guess. Brad, welcome. We're so happy well, to have well, you here today. Well, it's good to be here. And now that I've been introduced <laughs> as the sexiest author, I'm, I'm really, really glad this is a podcast. Um, because I've, I've always said I, I feel like I have the looks for podcasting. And, you know, and I think that will very much come through to your listeners just of how sexy I am. Oh, <laughs> awesome. I know. Awesome. Well, um, Brad, I want to start out with an easy question. Okay. Okay. On an earlier episode of our podcast, our p- podcast, uh, Kathy had discussed um, a well-known legal dilemma that a character in your book, The Last Act, also faces. I'm not going to give anything away, but there's a child that needs medical treatment and the father steals the money for it because he doesn't have have enough to cover the cost. And the child ultimately gets the care she needs after the father's incarcerated and the family reaches a low enough poverty level that the government covers the treatment. This is a very politically charged topic in healthcare today. So my question is, what is your favorite Hardy's breakfast biscuit? <laughs> <laughs> really Excellent. didn't know where you were going with that one Christy. i was just kind of hanging on for dear life like really she's gonna make me talk politics this early in the show i mean don't get me wrong you know if you get me wound up later i'll go politics if i have to you know and, and especially i love how in this day and age like everybody says well not to get political and right. they, you know start to get political but um uh so actually i will uh, actually if, if we're going to get political what i will do is do what politicians do which is pretend like i'm answering your question but then not actually answer it at all <laughs> and uh, i will i will say that you know your question reminds me of <laughs> the game of books podcast right which of course makes me think of game of thrones right uh-huh. and uh-huh. um did you know that this summer this past summer, and you were speaking about singing, I mm-hmm. had the pleasure of serenading George R.R. R. Martin at oh, Thriller Fest. You're kidding me! I did. So, oh. uh, myself and, uh, and Daniel Palmer, uh, always my partner in crime and serenading and other things, uh, yeah, we, um, uh, we, we sang to George R.R. R. Martin, who was the Thriller Master this year at Thriller Fest. Right. Um, and of course, this involved me dressing in drag as Daenerys Targaryen. <laughs> Um, now, again, this is a podcast, so nobody can see me, but um, I'm about 6'1", a good solid 200 pounds, maybe 210 if I've been eating too much ice cream. You know, I'm kind of hairy. I kind of, you know, like, and, and I did not shave my chest for this, by the way. And, um, no. and I, afterwards, we, uh, you know, so we serenaded him, and now we're getting our picture taken with him. And I kind of lean in and whisper, I bet I'm the ugliest Darnarius Targaryen you've ever had your picture taken with. And he, he whispers back to me, You've clearly never been to Comic Con. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's good. Oh wow! So that's my that's my George R. R. Martin story for the oh, Game of Books perfect. slash Game of Thrones slash Game of Anything podcast. I know, I know. We were a little in awe that he was going to be there last year. So um, good to hear that he's got a sense of humor. 
Oh, well, you have to, right? I mean, right. I, can, I can't even imagine what that man goes through. You know, because yeah. he's, he's an interesting character as an author because really, uh, you know, for the first 20-odd years of his career, whatever it was, nobody knew who the heck he was. I mean, right. he'd had, you know, he'd had some modest success, but, you know, nothing like what he experiences now. So, you yeah. know, that, that kind of, you know, late career phenomenon that, of course, boy, I hope that never happens to me. Wait, yeah. wait. <laughs> <laughs> or me either. <laughs> yes, right. This, this would be a great problem to have, right? Right. That, uh, that everybody recognizes you now. Yes. Of course, you know, as long as I'm talking about George R. R. Martin, like, it's, it's so funny to me that he, you know, at Thriller Fest, he complained about the fact that he gets recognized all the time, right? Which, yeah, again, like, what a horrible, <laughs> horrible problem to have. But then he wears that little sailor hat everywhere he goes. Yeah. Like, I know. He's very Distinguishable, I'm telling you. Take off the damn sailor hat, and everybody yeah. will just—you'll just look like everybody's grandpa and right. or the guy who wants the role of Santa Claus at the local mall. Right? right. Like, then nobody yeah. would know he was George R. R. Martin except for the sailor hat. And then they see the sailor hat, and it's like, oh, there's the Game of Thrones guy. Yeah, so, he thinks yeah, he does I, just, test too I can much. Solve all kinds of problems here today. Oh, good. So anyway, um, so that was an interesting story. And I I think it was better than knowing your breakfast biscuit for sure. Um, (laughs) But but you are famous for writing in Hardee's. um, Yes. And so can you tell us a little bit about like your writing process and how you got started writing in Hardee's? So the Hardee's was, uh, you know, like most things in my writing career, uh, born of desperation. (laughs) Um, so this was, uh, uh, I was maybe desperation and and necessity. Um, so we had, uh, we had moved down to Virginia. Um, we had very small children and a very small cottage in which we lived. I'm talking, you know, it's four bedrooms, but 1200 square feet. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) so, you know, and you have two little ones and, you know, there's no, there's no soundproof, there's no way to get away. Right. And so the only way I could get any writing done if the kids were around was to leave the house and we were living in this very rural county in Virginia and the only thing reliably open at six o'clock in the morning was the Hardee's so uh, and for those of you who are in different parts of the country's uh, Hardee's is a um, uh, it is a fast food establishment um, that uh, their slogan is eat like you mean it and <laughs> let me tell you there are people who definitely take them up on it they have a um, they have this great meal deal this is no lie. It is a meal deal that I did the calculations based on the little thing on the wall. $5 gets you 1,830 calories. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I mean, what a deal. You know, you can't, you know, yeah. believe me, you know, like you, you see these guys coming in and they, they, they get the meal deal and you know they're working their butts off all day, but they never go hungry because of the meal deal. So anyhow, um, so what I discovered about Hardee's was not the meal deal because I sit on my butt all day and not work. So the meal deal would be very catastrophic. Right. But, um, you know, it was um, it basically kind of had everything I needed. Uh, it, it had no wireless Internet, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a huge, huge thing for me. I, 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 I really try to shy away from any, you know, do's and don'ts kind of edicts when it comes to writing. But I think the one major don't is you can't write with the internet on. It is such a distractor and it takes you out of your story every time. So at Hardee's, you know, there was no possibility of the internet. Um, and then, like I said, it was, it's far enough away from my children that I couldn't hear them screaming. Um, and then finally, perhaps most importantly, free refills on Coke Zero. Uh-oh. And man, you just get that caffeine rolling and everything is just gold. Uh, so yeah, I basically, I have not written a word in years 
that was not under the influence of Coke Zero. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, I'm sure also there are quite a few characters that come in. So that probably helps with developing characters in your books. Yes. Although don't, don't, don't get me into my Hardy's story. You know, because like I actually, I I keep a file that I call overheard at Hardy's Uh where I, I, you know, will will write down, you know, so like there were, um, one one of the, my, my favorite items in the file is that these two guys are sitting there talking and one of them is going, yeah, man, I used to work at that lumber mill. I came home happy every day that I still had 10 fingers. And the other guy looks at him and says, but you only have nine fingers. And he goes, I know, but I didn't lose it at the lumber mill. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Yep. Well, okay, okay. I'll give you another one. So, um, uh, this this woman was, uh, was sitting with her friend, you know, kind of two older, older women. Um, and, uh, let me, let me see if I can get this right. It's better if I have the file in front of me uh, so I can, I can get it verbatim. So I'm going to miss it. And she says, well, I overheard my mother talking to my aunt about my cousin (laughs) who had gotten pregnant. And she said, well, you know, she was down in the basement with so-and-so playing ping pong. And I was 11 and I played ping pong in that basement all the time. And I was just terrified. What? Ping pong. The dangers of ping pong. Ping pong can lead to pregnancy. They don't they don't teach that in no the sex ed classes, you know. No. But it, it absolutely oh the ping pong can it can be real, real trouble if you're not careful. Oh That's my awesome. goodness. Well, you know, that just leads me that the humor in your books is is nice. I like it, even though you're talking about often, you know, serious things, current events, right. but you know, the readers can really relate to it. And I mean, did you always write with this humor or? Um... I've actually, if anything, tried to tamp it down over the years, I think, <laughs> uh-huh. um, you know, because, you know, there, 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 there is the observation that, um, you know, these are ultimately books of suspense mm-hmm. and you can't be laughing and feeling tension at the same time. Right. Um, so I think I, I try to be, and, and, and maybe early in my books, I, I went for the funny line a little too often. Um, but I think now I'm conscious of, okay, maybe in the first third of the book, um, you can get away with a little more, but, um, you know, the, the final two thirds, you, you really kind of have to cut that out. So, which is, which is, you can tell it's not natural for me. I mean, I'm naturally a guy who likes to laugh and I'm naturally a guy who, you know, I I look at the world and it's, it's often funny to me. I mean, we are these like funny little monkeys and I am just (laughs) forever enthralled by the things we think and say and do next. Right. Um, and so I do kind of have to uh, to tone that down. Like um, in my in my book that came out two years ago, Say Nothing, um, you know, that was a book where uh, it is a it is a, a gripping thriller, a, a judge whose children are kidnapped by somebody who is looking to control the outcome of a case he is hearing. So mm-hmm. this poor man, his children have been kidnapped. It's like every day is the worst day of his life. Right. Mm-hmm. And he is not going to be cracking jokes. You know, he's just not. Right. And so, like, I actually had uh, an entire editing pass of that book where all I did was went through the entire thing and took out any line that I remotely thought was clever or funny or, you know, might even make someone smile because I didn't want to let you up off the mat for even a moment in that book. Right. Hmm. And, I, and I think that um, in the last act, it's not there. There aren't like a lot of one liners. It's just kind of the situation sometimes is just really you know kind of like that's where it gets to be where it gets a little bit of like but that's how life is you know so i think people can relate to that 
Right. Well, and the last act is a, it's a different setup. Uh, uh, the last act, which, by the way, available wherever fine books are sold, um, you know, it's, it's a different kind of a story because it's a, OK. So it's an out of work actor who is hired by the FBI to help them bring down a ruthless Mexican drug cartel. OK, so <laughs> it, it has a little more of a uh, you're you're it's like the frog in the boiling pot of water, right? Mm-hmm. The frog doesn't necessarily feel the water going. And so there are some times early on where Tommy can crack wise a little bit. And I think it's also, right. and, and most humor really needs to come from character and not necessarily from situation or anything else. Mm-hmm. And in this case, you know, Tommy, one, he's an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done some musical theater, a lot of which is very comedic. He's from Hackensack, New Jersey, you know, so they, and, the, you know, People from Hackensack, New Jersey, cut wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and his mother actually used to be a comedian. So yeah, he very funny. much has <laughs> laughter in his blood. And actually, yeah, and Barb Jump, who is the protagonist's mother. So Tommy Jump is the name of the protagonist. Barb Jump is his mother. Actually, I mean, she has some of my favorite lines in the book mm-hmm. because it's natural for her to make jokes. Right. You know, like that is that is just who she is. And so, you know, when she's just going off and she'll, you know, I mean, I gave her some great one-liners, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, it, when mm-hmm. it comes from character, I think readers are a lot more likely, or I should say less likely, to get jolted out of the spell. Right. You know, that's the last thing. Like, you don't want them to ever feel the writer too much. You want them to be feeling the book and the setting and the situation and everything like that. And I think when you can when you can do it through character, it can work. Mm-hmm. In the right size doses, I always say. Right, right. <laughs> well, I, I'm not, I, well, sounds... I would love to read some of your um, sports articles from back in the day to see what kind of humor you put in them. Was there humor? <laughs> <laughs> well, so there, you know, you know, there I had to be fairly straight as well most of the time. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there, there, were, there were some opportunities for it, but uh, you know, the the, the newspaper world, uh, it's it's a funny difference between. Um, and this was maybe a sign that I wasn't meant to be in the newspaper world forever, is that people would, you know, editors in um, in the newspaper world would read my stuff and go, God, there's too much voice in this. There's too much voice in this. We've got to tone down your voice and everything <laughs> oh, like that. Wow. And, of course, That's voice tough. is the thing in fiction that everybody loves and wants more of, right. you know. So uh, maybe I was, I was meant to do this. But, I, yeah, I yes. always kind of had to. Uh, be on my best behavior or sort of best behavior anyway when I was uh, working for the newspaper. Oh, great. Okay, that is a perfect segue because we don't really always need you to be on your best behavior. Our (laughs) next uh, thing we like to do is we like to do this thing called the carafe question, kind of like a wine carafe. Oh, okay. I thought you said carafe question and I'm like, well, I'm in for that too. So, okay, carafe. It might be. We don't know. (laughs) It's a mystery. So Christy's going to have to pull one out for you because we're not we're not all together here. this morning. All right. And if you don't like the question, we can always pick another from the carafe. But let's see what we've got. <laughs> if you could do something dangerous just once, once with no risk, what would you do? Oh, no. <laughs> I already write books for a living. That's dangerous enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> it is a cutthroat world out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, just once, what would I do? Uh, man, these kind of questions always stump me. So this, is, this is part of being a writer, right? You always yeah. think of the, the, the best answer anywhere from five minutes to five yeah. hours to five days after you've been asked the question. Uh, well, just off the top of your you head, of is there anything that you're okay, like? Okay, so you know what pops in my head? I'm actually I'm I'm like I'm terrified of heights, and I'm also terrified of dying. 
Um, but somehow to know <laughs> that, like, to know that I can make it through skydiving and and not oh. end up bouncing off yeah. the earth. Uh, oh. I think I would like to do that. And but otherwise, I think there's just no way. I mean, again, I'm not. I don't like roller coasters. I don't like heights. Anything like that. Mm-hmm. But maybe just once to feel what free fall is like and yeah. know that I would not die at the end of it. Yeah, yeah with a guaranteed, <laughs> yeah, a guaranteed. I, I'm with like you a, on like that. A cyber that, experience. <laughs> that would have to be the the bottom line. I'm not going to die if I do this. <laughs> okay, so Christy and I had the pleasure of meeting you and listening to you speak at Sleuthfest just last weekend. Was it? Or it feels oh like gosh, it's been longer. It seems like yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah. And I thought you gave a really inspiring talk. And and towards the end of your talk. Um, when you had a, a room full of mystery writers just riveted to everything that you were saying, um, you mentioned the role of grit, and I was really taken by that. So talk to us about grit and why that's important to you. Yeah, so I can I can talk about grit for a long, long, long time, because it, it really is an important theme in my life and in my writing. Um, but for those who aren't familiar with the, uh, kind of the... the well, the modern usage of the term and the uh, the historic usage of the term are, are you know really very much the same thing. But it's it's the notion that um, you know the the people who succeed in this world are the people who are willing to just keep working at something and who never give up and who you know when they when they reach a barrier they don't stop. They find a way to go around it or under it or they blow it up or whatever they have to do. You're just not going to stop them. They keep going at it. Um, and I, I, I really think that's one of the beautiful things about writing. I mean, there, there's, there's no stopwatch on you. There's mm-hmm. no, and, and you know, the only one who can tell you to stop is you. Um, so the, the story I told the writers, um, and it's a, you know, it's a good, embarrassing story that is very much um, <laughs> uh, is, as all is, good is, stories are yeah. yes yes so um my uh, my wife is a school psychologist by training and so when she was in grad school i was you know she was learning to administer all these intelligence tests and i was her test dummy quite literally <laughs> um so she would you know she would give me these tests that were like designed for sixth graders or something like that and i would i would fumble what, my way through them but there was there was one in particular that i always remember it was this picture completion test where i had to take blocks and rearrange them to look like the picture on the page and um little did i know she wasn't allowed to tell me this but basically and, and again mind you this is for sixth graders uh you would be given a certain score if you completed the task in a minute or less you would be given a certain score if you completed the task in two minutes or less, and you would be given no score at all if it took you more than two minutes. However, the test administrator could not tell you to stop. So 26 minutes later, I nailed that sucker. You know, but that's that's the great thing about, like, and I I really, like, so I, I always tell people, like, I am not, the smartest guy in the room. And I actually have the statistics to prove that. Like, it, it, it's like if, if, if there, if there are more than like three people in the room, it's almost statistically right. impossible for me to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, I have the you know, proof. But yeah, but, but man, the persistence thing, like you can mm-hmm. keep going at that manuscript as many times as you like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's really, it's your own endurance. It's your own, um, you know, just relentlessness. And, and actually, um, so I use the term grit. If you ever get Michael Connolly on, and I'm sure he's an easy get, so no problem. <laughs> yeah, obviously. But <laughs> one of his favorite words is relentless. You have oh. to be 
relentless. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's a guy who 20 whatever books he's into his career now, you know, he's won every award. He's made lots of money. He's, you know, every honor that that an author could reasonably wish to have, he's got. And yet his books are still as good or better than ever. And Mm -hmm. it's because he is relentless. Mm-hmm. And I think wow. that's a good goal for all of us. Yes. I, I would agree. So it is great advice. And on that, I have read that you have given advice to aspiring writers that is somehow related to a naked LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 is that it? Are we just done? <laughs> <laughs> Kathy, where did you find and I that? Thought, okay, so I know he's, I know he really likes the concept of grit and really, you know, sticking to it. And now I've got the naked LeBron James. So I thought, what's the carryover there? <laughs> so, so Kathy, I think Kathy needs to start reading some romance novels or something because it sounds like she's got a little bit of, a little bit of energy pent up in there. But uh, okay, so this is actually something I do with, uh, with groups of young people because. And not too young, let's be clear. So like high school kids, (laughs) right? They they can handle this. But I will say to them, all right, raise your hand if you have ever seen LeBron James naked. Uh, And of course, I'm the only one in the room raising his hand. And uh, this is when I explained to them that I used to be a sports writer. And so, you know, you would see guys naked in the locker room and whatever. And then, like, truly, LeBron James naked is an impressive sight. I mean, he is just an absolute I can only physical specimen. I mean, you know, I mean, really, truly an amazing member of our species, right? Mm-hmm. And how did he get that way? Did he get that way by spending all his time on the couch and saying, you know, I really would like to be a basketball player someday. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really, I, I got, I've got a basketball game in me. I just know I do. And, you know, <laughs> one of these days I'm going to get around to playing it. Like, no. So you have to treat yourself like the LeBron James of writers. You have to think that writing is a muscle, and the harder you work that muscle, the stronger you will get, just like LeBron James. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, and it goes the same thing you're talking about with the writers, right, just in a different audience, about grit. It's the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's right, right. showing up and doing you know, but it's work. Also, you know, grit is a very intentional thing. Um, and, and so is working the writing muscle hard. So again, like LeBron James is not the guy on the, the little Stairmaster who's like Mm -hmm. reading a book while he's working out. No, 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 no. (laughs) Sweating, you know, like, I mean, he is absolutely pouring maximum effort into it and you need to be the same as writing like that. Not all writing is creative equal. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's the writing when you're really pushing yourself, you know, the old saying, no pain, no gain. You know, that's the kind of writing you have to seek to do, writing that really expands you. And also, I think, you know, every writer needs to be thinking about in the same way that when somebody's working out, they're thinking, all right, I'm working on my glutes now. I'm working on my pecs now. I'm working on like you have to be thinking, what am I working on now? Like, is it, is it characterization? Is it voice? Is it dialogue? Is it, you know, just making sure that every chapter ends with a little twist? Is it, you know, whatever, you know, kind of phase of the game you're at. Like, be conscious about what you're doing and, and, and what your goals are. And, and I think the beautiful thing about that is if you are, I, I always found, as a, especially when I was a young journalist, you know, where, where I would really be focusing on some aspect of, you know, maybe it was just like trying to rearrange my sentences such that the end of every sentence flows nicely into the beginning of the next sentence. 
which is sometimes just a case of you know flipping a, an existing sentence around a little bit, or you know taking the clause that's in the middle and putting it at the beginning, or whatever. You know, so but w- when you work on something like that and you're really conscious of it for like six weeks, eight weeks maybe, mm-hmm. it becomes automatic after that, and you don't really have mm-hmm. to concentrate on it that much anymore because you've already added that to your repertoire, and then you move on to thinking about some other aspect of your writing. Interesting. So you're creating some muscle memory, right? There yes, by, exactly. By oh, that's that? a way to continue the metaphor. <laughs> Point to you. <laughs> no, I mean, I really like that idea. That, that That's such good advice for aspiring writers, you know, that keep working on this and working, and then eventually it will come, and it will... Mm-hmm. Uh, become a natural part of your writing. I, I, that helps me. Yeah, although now I have to take issue with the phrase aspiring writer. Uh, okay. And that is, there is no such thing as an aspiring writer. You are either a writer or you are not a writer. And mm. a writer is someone who writes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's that, there's that saying, um, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Yeah. I think, I think you have to write like you're getting the job you want, not the, like, I think that writers can oftentimes, you know, I say they'll, they'll look at my life and they'll say, well, isn't it lucky for you that you get to write full time? And yes, absolutely. <laughs> it is lucky. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've worked hard for it too and whatnot, but like you have to treat yourself with the same kind of discipline and the same kind of focus, even if you don't have that luxury, you know, so treat yourself like you're a big time author. And you know what being a big time author means? You know, you can look at people and say, you know what, I'm not talking with you then because I'm writing. That is my writing time. I don't deal with anybody during my writing time. Or mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, going out to coffee mm-hmm. with you. I'm not, I'm not helping you with your homework. Like you, you get kind of selfish and you say no. Like, I mean, I know I'm a morning writer. And you'll notice I did not schedule this podcast at 7 o'clock in the morning right. because that's my best writing time. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I very jealously guard that, like, you know, roughly 6 o'clock in the morning, that's, you know, about the time I roll out of bed, and I'm hopefully at the keyboard as soon as I can get to Hardy's. And, <laughs> um, and then, you know, th- those next four hours, that's my best time. And so mm-hmm. I don't schedule myself mm-hmm. anything in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's treating yourself. And, you know, yeah, some people might say, well, you could do that because you're a big-time, full-time <laughs> author. Well, no. You, most people can do that for themselves, you right. know, especially if they right. think of it like – Man, whenever I hear some retiree saying, oh, I just don't have the time, oh, please, come on now. You know you do. (laughs) You know, but even the working people, I mean, like, I mean, I I had, I wrote my first two novels that were published, you know, while I was still working full time. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, you got to make sacrifices, you know, like, I'm I'm sorry, you can't be working full time and writing a novel and also watching two hours of Dancing with the Stars. Right. Like, it just doesn't work, you know. But, you know, you say to yourself, well, what's more important, watching those two hours of Dancing with the Stars or, you know, getting completed my first manuscript. Right. And I mm-hmm. guarantee you the manuscript will make you feel a lot better than Dancing with the Stars. Absolutely, every time. yeah. Every time. <laughs> every time. So I... Um, I really like how you mentioned that you know your magic hours, right? Like that really good mm-hmm. productivity time. And so then I, I'm going to guess that you put things like, you know, fabulous interviews with great podcasters and appearances <laughs> at SleuthFest in the other hours of your day. I mean, you kind Correct. of compartmentalize, it sounds like. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, and, and being an author is, I always say it's kind of like being a small business owner. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you always have to remember what your product is. And what you're actually paid for. And, and what I am actually paid for is those four hours in the chair. And so I really kind of try to structure the other 20 hours of my day 
around making sure those four hours are the best they can be. So, you know, that means like, so when I'm drafting and okay, so when I'm at Sleuth Fest, yes, of course, I'm being a drunken lush and I'm at the bar until 11 <laughs> o'clock or 12 o'clock at night because that's what you do at Sleuth Fest. But by the way, I'm not writing when I'm at Sleuth Fest. Right. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm not drafting at that point. When I am writing, I don't drink a lot or I don't drink at all. Um, I, I try to eat well. I try to exercise because I know all of those things will help me sleep better. And mm-hmm. if I sleep better, mm-hmm. I will write better. Um, and I'm also yeah. conscious of like, frankly, goofing off a little bit in the afternoon because mm-hmm. I've, you know, it's kind of like my reward. I've, you know, I've worked hard in the morning and I've gotten done what I need to do. And then, okay, I have some emails to send or I have some podcasts to do or whatever. But then I also want to give my brain some downtime because I know that will also make it better for that, mm-hmm. those four hours that I need to maximize. Um, so, yeah, so there's always those those kind of demands of publicity or, or whatnot. But, you know, I always say just remember what you're actually being paid for. Or, you know, you think about, you know, people get all wound up about how much promotion they have to do and this and that. And I always say, okay, how many tweets did Gillian Flynn send out about Gone Girl? <laughs> oh, none. She actually wasn't on Twitter until about six months ago. So you know, <laughs> don't tell me that you need to some, that somehow yeah. self-promotion is the key to the kingdom. The key mm-hmm. to the kingdom is, you know, write a great book and then hope like hell people notice it. <laughs> right. right. Well, and that is a perfect segue, Brad, because The Last Act is a great book. And I, oh, we are delighted to yes. have had you uh, talk with us today. Um, and Christy, I know, has one more question. Oh, yes. Before we okay. go, we have one final question. This is to appease our mysterious foodies out there. Those are our listeners. Um, so we'd like to ask all the authors we talk with. Which of your characters would you like to share a meal with, and what would it be? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That's a beautiful, beautiful question. Oh, thank you. Um, so, uh, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll take someone from the last act, um, and I will actually go with uh, Tommy's fiance, whose name is Amanda Porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda is actually a struggling artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is, uh, she's a real introvert. She does not necessarily talk to anyone. Uh, you kind of have to get Amanda one-on-one if you're really going to get anything out of her. So, you know, probably mm-hmm. it would have to be in some, she would, she would like to sit in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would like to have <laughs> her back against the wall, uh, cause she doesn't like people behind her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would, I would spend a nice time. Uh, it wouldn't really matter what we ate. Um, you know, she'd probably have a burger or something like that, and maybe I would too. But I would really like to talk to her about the creative process and about how oh. she sees the world as she does and how she uses that to inform her art. Because if, I have, if I've learned anything about writers, we are, we are craftspeople, for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the writing is a craft, but there is also art that fuels the craft. And I've, I've become more conscious of that as time goes on. And so to talk with other artists, I have found, is, uh, is an incredibly helpful and incredibly inspiring thing. Well, so great answer. Great answer. That's a great answer. Yeah, and we, that we was, feel the yeah, same that way so because that's why than, we're talking way, with you. <laughs> yeah, so that, that was so much better than the, if you did something dangerous, what would it be? I, I totally kicked the something dangerous answer. And, you know, I, I might actually even, like, call you guys up later and be like, oh, I thought about a much better <laughs> answer. But Here's my other answer, yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. Um, so, anyway, just to recap, Brad's book, The Last Act, came out a few weeks ago. So go out 
um, and buy it or go online and get it um, because it's a great read. And let us know what you think because we're going to talk about the book a little more on our next um, episode of Game of Books. And you can reach us on Twitter or Facebook at, at GOB Writers. And if you have any more questions or want some more information about Brad and his latest book, Brad, how best can readers reach you? Well, so if you want to go Twitter, I am at Brad underscore Parks. If you want to do Facebook, I am www.facebook.com slash Brad Parks Books. Or on the old-fashioned internet, if you go to www.bradparksbooks.com, <laughs> You can both sign up for my newsletter with those aforementioned irascible interns, uh, or you can hit the contact button (laughs) and send me an email directly. I answer all of my email, um, except if you say something truly hateful or racist, (laughs) in which case I ignore you. But for the most part, I answer all of my email. Great. Oh, that's great. All right. So thanks again to Brad for talking with us today and sharing with all of you out there listening. Thanks for joining us on today's adventure. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube, where you can watch and listen. On gameofbookspodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter or enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.